Welcome back to Simon and Whiten, the anti-woke podcast at the crossroads of business, politics, and media. I'm Christian Whiten, joined as always by Mark Simon. Mark, please say hello. Hi, everybody. How are you doing today? Mark, uh, we have another outbreak of woke business, this time in reaction to a proposed law in Florida. It's been artfully uh, described inaccurately as the don't say gay law, but you have the occurrence now of, of, the, of Disney, which has a huge operation, obviously, in Orlando. Disneyland, the original, I think that's right, Disney, nope, I'm wrong. Disneyland is in California. Disney World is in, in Florida. Disney World is in Florida. Right. And originally they said and perhaps reasoned that, you know, this law doesn't affect running theme parks, making movies and the other things that Disney does stream uh, uh, stream software, excuse me, uh, media over Disney Plus. But they were browbeaten by their employees into making a stand. Of course, they're against this law that has nothing to do with Disney and now have an official position against it. Uh, Last I checked, Disney also has some pretty significant operations in China. So I assume that some statement about uh, killing freedom in Hong Kong and Uyghur slave labor in Xinjiang and the other fun things the CCP does will be forthcoming. Uh, what do you think, starting starting with this law? What is the law and why is Disney involved? Sorry, my dog just heard somebody, so sorry about that. He actually got off his ass for once. Um, the, the actual problem that I've continued to see with Disney all the way through is essentially there is a cynicism there that I think is just people are tired of. We talk about the don't say gay law. It was basically, you know, once you look into it, it's like we're not going to teach sex education to kids in the third grade and below. Whoopee. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, you know, it's it's politi- people who are political activists inside Disney. Um, let's be perfectly honest with you now. We've reached a point in some companies, especially in the creative world, where people bring their politics to the office every single day. And. Disney has a strong and firm record of being a left and center, left of center company. And I think that drives half of it. The other part of it is, is quite frankly, Disney has always been a very gay friendly company. That's probably great. You know, it's fantastic in many ways. Um, it's a very open company to work for. I hear wonderful things about it from people who work for it, but it does have a culture that basically you know, they they jump on almost any politically correct woke issue there is, and they drive it through, you know, drive it down the road as far as they can. Shareholders be damned or anything else. So I think the real issue here is you just look at it like you're in Florida. The law doesn't say what your people are saying it's going to say. Isn't there somebody in the executive department there who says, folks, we've looked at this. It's not really something for us. We're sorry about that you don't feel that way. Take some time off if you want to protest against it, but it's not a corporate issue for us and we're not going to get involved in it, especially when the simple fact of the matter is as much business as they do in China and as much business they do soliciting business from the Arab countries where gay rights are not in existence. You know what I'm saying? Um, Disney runs a monster operation in Southeast Asia in attracting people from Indonesia uh, Philippines, Malaysia to come to Disney, um, Hong Kong. There's a huge advertising effort there and, and effort there. Those countries are not exactly great when it comes to gay rights. Middle East is the same thing. Come to Disney Paris, 
come to Disney US. They're running these campaigns. They're spending money in these countries. These countries have horrible records on human rights. And the simple point is, is China and the Communist Party in the last 10 or 15 years has become just dismal on gay rights. So the point really is and continues to be, if they're going to do it one place, they got to do it every place and they're not going to do it. So what they're doing is they're posing. They're making everybody feel good about themselves. It's virtue signaling. I'm sure they've got this don't say opposed to gay, don't say gay law right next to their Ukrainian stickers, right next to their BLM stickers. But the problem is, is that really the role of a corporation? You know, Milton Friedman was always against state company activism because he said, give the people their money. And if they want to go out and do something, they can go out and do something. But there just seems to be this lost belief in companies now that they have to say something about everything. And I think it's hard not to, but I think it's the correct thing not to. You know what I'm saying? And others just say, we don't do it. Because once you start, it doesn't stop. And that's where Disney is now. Right. Um, you know, some of the other uh, ones we're from, very familiar with, there's Nike, which got on its high horse about Black Lives Matter and Colin Kaepernick. Uh, and then you sort of look behind the moral preening and see a company that's dependent on slave labor in China, Unilever, uh, which, okay, I think we can lament, but understand the companies based in the Bay Area, just drawing from a liberal pool of people Tech companies might be liberal because of that. I don't think we're too surprised when artistic companies in New York City are, but Unilever, um, you know, which owns a bunch of ho-hum brands. Well, um, Gillette is one of those and they run an ad against toxic, toxic masculinity. Uh, and also they own Razor Ben and Jerry's. I know, right. What does that have to do with- I still any? don't buy Gillette because of that. Oh, I don't either. I switched to, I guess, Harry's. It took a little adjustment and yeah, had to run out of the old ones. Yep. Uh, and then, um, you know, Procter and Gamble is another one that uh, these are people that make laundry detergent and you know, brands like that. Why are they why are they getting involved in this? And I don't know. Do you think it comes from the I human resources it, department, the marketing department, the type of people well, those attract? It, it comes it comes from essentially most people not wanting to be involved in it. So the people who are involved in it in your company. I've, I've dealt with this a couple of times in, in, in companies, you know, for example, of course, in a media company in Hong Kong, you know, we were, of course, very pro-democracy because our life depended on it. As we can see, it didn't, once democracy activities went away, we went away, you know, once they got rid of us. But we, we would have the same thing. We would have people come to us and we, they would say, you know, we want to have a, a LGBT page in the newspaper. And we'd say, okay, we cover LGBT issues, but no, we're not going to have an assigned reporting staff to LGBT issues, or we're not going to have it. We're going to treat it like a story. In other words, we're not going to we're not going to go in there and basically champion something. That's it. Turned out that Apple Daily was the greatest champion of gay rights in Hong Kong. In other words, it, that's naturally how the paper came down. But it structurally, we said play it straight, and I think it made it better that we played it straight. You know what I'm saying? And I I think the fact of the matter is is that a lot of times you've got inside these organizations, you get some people in there and it becomes a power center for them. Hence, let's go back to human resources and let's go back to the folks in, um, in corporate affairs and public relations. These people don't contribute to the bottom line as much as they would like to tell you. I'm sure 
you know, did they sell anything this week? Did they design anything this week? No. But what they do have is the ability to say, hey, this is what people are saying about us. Look, the vast, vast majorities of companies in America or every place else do not have policies on this. You know, America is a place of medium and small size businesses. Ray's trucking firm that employs 600 people abides by the law. They don't get out there and campaign for things. The argument that's made all the time, and it's a very dishonest argument because I've never seen any proof of it, is, well, we have to be this type of employer to attract, attract certain people. I don't believe that. I've never seen it. I mean, I think what happens inside these human resources departments is that people are basically coming forward and saying, we have to do this to attract the employees. I don't believe that a bit. If you're at Google, I, I'll give you a classic example. Somebody came out the other day that said 95% of Google employees are either Asian or white for engineering positions, engineering computer science positions. Okay, are these people who are your key employees, the employees that, employees that matter, are they asking for these positions? I'd say the answer is largely no from what I've been told and what I've seen in the private equity world. These are not the people who are asking. Who's asking for that? It's people in the marketing department, the public relations department, the human resources department, and the corporate affairs department who basically see their job in part as political. I, I don't see it as helping the companies, but more importantly, I do see it as causing internally where you can't say anything. You know, one of the things that I thought was really fascinating, and I give him credit for it, was he thought long, Tim Cook's a Southern boy. He's, a, he's an Alabama boy. So he came up in Alabama, okay? And in Alabama, when he came up, you know, he was surrounded by religion. He was a gay man growing up in a religious, very religious, Southern religious environment. Somebody asked him one time, I don't feel, they said something about, would you feel comfortable being an overt Christian or Catholic? at Apple. And he had to think long and hard about it. His answer wasn't clear because I think in his heart, he knew if you show up and you say, I'm a Catholic and somebody says this and that, you're going to keep your beliefs all to yourself, which is fine with me. But the problem is, what do you have inside that place? If somebody says, oh, Mark Simon's a devout Catholic and he goes to church every Sunday and the Catholic church is against gay people. So therefore, Mark as a Catholic cannot be a senior manager in the company. Aren't you driving away other people then? That's probably the largest, that's the largest minority group you have. I mean, more than 50% of Americans still go to church on a moderate base on a, you know, I think, was it 30% go regularly and like 50% go more than three or four times a year. But these are people who they think that they take their Christianity seriously. And now they don't feel comfortable in your company. I gotta tell you, I think it's, a, I think it's something that's coming around. And I think we have to have a discussion in America about what's happening. After that, we have to look at the hypocrisy of it. I'm so tired of BlackRock giving me a lecture on everything else, but you know they can string Uyghurs up by their fingernails, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and think is okay with that. It's just ridiculous. It gets old. It's preening. It's preachy. I hate it. And I think everybody else does too. And I think the good news is they're kind of being hoisted by their own petard because you go inside, not BlackRock, but some of these other tech companies now, and they're going, well, what about China? The employees are asking that now. So maybe it's a good thing, but I think it has to be everywhere around there. But I, I myself, I really do believe that the greatest thing you could do as a corporation is like say, hey, if you guys want to be politically active five days a week or five days a year, here's your days to go do what you want to do, political activism, anything you want to do, either side, 
go to a gun rally, go to June 6th, January 6th, go anywhere you want to go, go to the gay rights parades, go do anything you want to do. And by the way, after you've worked here five years, we'll put $1,000 in our corp and you can direct that $1,000 or whatever the number is someplace. But we, are, we as a company, you know, we don't take positions on these issues. Look at what happened to Coca-Cola in Georgia. They look like idiots. And you always look like an idiot because, you know, do you really, why, why play the politics? It's not part of your business plan. And you right. get people so stop with they and, Right. What they did with Delta Airlines and others is basically protest the Georgia voting, uh, you know, voting security law that they called discrimination, Jim Crow, which of course the Democrats invented. Um, right. that the idea being that something that has requirements that we have in other states, um, and incidentally, voter ID laws were initially to prevent blacks from being disenfranchised and having their votes diluted in southern states by improper voting. But of course, no one remembers that history. Anyway, so very modest reforms in Georgia. And these people admitted they didn't even read the bill or understand it. And Coca-Cola based in Georgia, run it, by a Brit, I believe. Now you know, I know how that happened. And Delta, who, which has huge operations in, in Atlanta, uh, came out against The problem is, and this is, I don't mean to sound drastic, but the problem is what we learn is there's a little bit of Westboro Baptist Church in us all. In other words, you know, we all have this desire to like jump on people. I'll give you an example. The Fox News girl, uh, I shouldn't say news girl, the Fox News producer, that's a mistake. The young woman, the, she's a girl, she's 24 years old. The young woman from Fox News who was killed and the, and the camera guy who was killed. Somebody told me I've met him before, but I, I can't recall um, who, was, who, who was killed. Um, you looked at Twitter. What's the first thing? Oh, Tucker Carlson, this, oh, Rupert Murdoch, this. Think about that. Somebody's dead and your first reaction is to go in and score political points. That's a nastiness to it. Like I said, it's the Westboro Baptist Church where servicemen die and they show up to say that homosexuality is the, you know, the U.S. is the reason why. There's a certain tolerance of that. And I think it's the one thing about social media that makes it so damn evil, you know what I'm saying, sometimes. And, if, I, and if, if you're a company, why do you want to take yourself into that world? You know what I'm saying? I really think a lot of employees, it's kind of like when you make the rule that nobody can sell Girl Scout cookies or any other things in your office. Everybody cringes at it a little bit, but everybody's very happy about it. You know, I don't know. If you, I mean, you, you worked in the government, you know, every year the secretary would say, my daughter is selling Girl Scout cookies. Would you like to buy some? And it's like, look, you know, and, and, and I remember I remember my boss, actually, he was the one who cut it down when I was in the Navy. He just completely cut it off. And he said, first of all, I'm tired of weighing 400 pounds after Girl Scout season. You know what I'm saying? But secondly, you know, we're th these women, they're chasing down like people. If you want to buy Girl Scout cookies, one day everybody goes out and, you know, the, the women go out there and they divide up the orders. You know what I'm saying? Which I think is what they do at the Pentagon now. They get to a couple of days to set up. And that's it. But in the office, you don't you don't get a chance to sell stuff and do things and stuff like that. Same thing with politics. OK, whatever you want to do, you do. We don't care. We will defend your right to do it publicly, but we're not going to get involved in it. It, Kristen, it doesn't add to the bottom line. And that's the fake argument that they make inside the company. So we can only get there's nobody who's going around going, oh, I'm not going to take this fantastic job because they don't have a full-on campaign for every issue I like every single day. And if you have somebody like that, is that really an employee you want? I don't think so. 
Right. I'm glad you brought up social media, too. Uh, there's a South Park episode. It's a little old now, but basically an alien shows up, supposedly an alien bank robber, and leaves a bunch of space bucks and, uh, behind, and, and everyone thinks they're crazy rich, and they're arguing over how much the space bucks are worth. And at the end of the episode, it's like, oh, you guys are such morons. These things are not worth anything unless you decide they are. So with these Twitter uh, storms that can, Twitter mobs that can appear, um, and, uh, you know, playing to the, 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 the chorus, I don't know, that's not the right word, but playing to the mob maybe is, does this, I can see right, if you're a celebrity, if you have a million followers, if you can put on a Rolex and help Rolex sell 10,000 of these things, then great, more power to you. That is a use of social media. But aside from that, uh, when brands are attacked, when, for, for not being woke enough, for not getting off the fence and, you know, uh, expressing a liberal point of view. Is that, is that hype? Is that drastically overrated, the impact of, of a social media mob? Yeah. Look, you're seeing people who stand up to it all the time now. In fact, it's becoming as much the norm as giving in. The people who give in tend to be the people, like, I'll give you a classic example. Like, I kind of ask clown around with Twitter myself. I just kind of have a good time with it. You know what I'm saying? And... People, I've had people kind of, Mark, you know, you're on Twitter, you're saying these things. I'm going like, it's Twitter. I'm not in the Oxford debate hall now. I'm not making a corporate decision. I'm just having some, I mean, I'm putting some stuff out there. I'm criticizing people. I'm having some fun. You know, that's what it is. And I think the problem is there are people who, who they basically have somehow become to believe that like, oh, I've got 1 million Twitter followers. That probably does have some value if you're a brand or something like that. That probably has some value if you're, you know, trying to sell tickets to something, you know, or you're trying to get your papers read. Yeah, I think there's some value there, but it's limited. It's just awareness. It's not, you know, the end of the world. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is when they tried to go after Joe Rogan, the Twitter mob, Rogan became more powerful. Bill Maher is the same way. Essentially, once people move over, they figure out you can't do much to them. There's not much they can do to you. You know, I mean. It's, it's my big argument. I mean, I, I have to say it's my big argument in, in the corporate world right now. Essentially, small businesses are much more free than the big guys. I mean, imagine if you own a plumbing company in New York City and somebody says, oh, you know, Fatelli Brothers. I don't know if there is a Fatelli Brothers, but Fatelli Brothers, you know, those two guys, they were down at the Trump rally. Okay. The Fatelli Brothers, when I call them on Thanksgiving night and my plumbing's broke. Vitelli brothers show up. Okay. So if you're not going to do that, if you, if you want to call somebody who doesn't show up, that's fine. In other words, they're getting harder and harder to, to crush. I think I told you the story about a, 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 a HR person at a site. This is a great story. She basically, they were doing construction at a site in Virginia. And I know the guy who was the general contractor and they were on the site. And of course, all these construction trucks have, Trump stickers on them. You know what I'm saying? It's just below, it's just below, uh, it's in the Fredericksburg area, just below the area. So the guy, so out comes the, uh, the HR person from the, guess what? School administration building where they're working at, you know what I'm saying? And complains and tells the supervisor that, you know, the, we, these, we find these stickers intimidating and we don't like these things. And we'd prefer if they don't have these stickers for Trump on their hard hats and all this stuff. The next day, nobody showed up. And, 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 and why? 
because you know what? They had jobs over there. So they basically, the, the guy internally in that group basically said, well, you know, we, I told the supervisor what you all wanted. And the superintendent goes, well, what does that mean? He goes, well, they're just not going to work because you've infringed. I said, we don't have a, I, he went, the general counsel was on his side saying, we don't have a legal case for this. You know what I'm saying? There's no legal case here to tell somebody that, but it was somebody who came out there. I don't, I hate the word Karen, but I mean, it was somebody who came out there and decided that she didn't like something completely unaware of the economics of the situation that I can tell you being in development right now, you, when you get people on site to do work, you know what I'm saying? Bring them donuts every day because they're hard, they're hard to get a hold of. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I've got a job right now where I'm trying to get asbestos removed from someplace. I'm on my third contractor, okay, because they, they take it and they cancel. They take it. They can't make it because they're being held on other jobs. Finally got it done. We're getting it done. But the point I'm making is, is that the world is changing with this demographics. So if you're Disney and you're out there and you're enforcing all these things, who are you losing? Who, who are people that are not going to come to work for you, you know? And, and, and then you end up with a product. What, what's Disney selling? Disney's selling to America. Kids, like when you take your son to Disney, you know what I'm saying? You're not looking for a political indoctrination. You're looking for goofy. Right. You're you know? looking for a break from all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that, that's, that's a real problem. And I guess this could be, like I said, you like it's an evergreen subject. But I think really when you're investing in companies, you're going to have to start looking at these companies. And the ultimate, and I'll finish with this one, the ultimate is look who it is, Exxon. Exxon goes woke, starts looking in the other direction. Vladimir shows up. You know what I'm saying? So, so Exxon's moving away from fossil fuels right when what happens. You know what I'm saying? S same thing with some of these companies that are playing these games all the time, too. BP walked away from, what, $17 billion in investment? In yeah, Russia? it's nuts. When, when this all happened and all these Western firms said, okay, we're we're – you know, morally superior, we're going to move away. I thought, okay, they're going to sure be getting some low bids on the portion of the companies and joint ventures they're selling because they are, you know, a highly motivated seller. That's, that's buyer's advantage, but it was worse than that. They are just walking away as in hand back the shares, write it down to zero. You know, Gazprom just gets the 40% of yeah, the I, project that sold the shell for free. That's a pretty good deal for Gazprom. I, I, I rarely side with Goldman Sachs, but when Solomon came out and said, look, it's hard to get a, a license to bank in Russia, and we've got a license to bank in Russia, and we're not going to be doing a lot right now. We're going to be pulling back. We're not going to be helping them. But no, we're not pulling our presence completely out. And I think all these guys from these big companies that you know panicked, that's it. And it really comes down to this, Kristen. The reason why I brought it back to Exxon is, problem you have in these companies is that you've got these senior managers and the media companies the same way. They're all making huge money. Okay. And so all it is, it's kind of like, it's like, remember that movie Hacksaw Ridge when the guy went up to you know, he, the Battle of Honor, where he's carrying down wounded guys. And he says, one more time, Lord, one more time. These guys are, these guys every year are going like, one more year, Lord, one more year of bonuses. That's all I need. So they'll do anything to appease the mob so they can get their bonus for the next year. And, 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 and so this is what happens. And, and the reason why is it's not the guys making 100 grand or 200 grand that are appeasing everybody. It's the guy who's making 500 grand. Look at CNN. 
didn't anybody at CNN say, uh, by the way, we don't think it's such a good idea that the CEO is banging his number two and everybody knows about it and everybody's scared of her. And by the way, everybody knows she's provide. you know, Megan Kelly was just like fantastic on that because she was like, everybody knew this. So everybody knows it, but nobody says anything. Nobody on the board of directors says anything. And then what happens is, well, the AT&T people find out about it and they're a little bit more serious people. So they start putting pressure on. Then when John Malone comes in, you're out, pal. Don't think this didn't come up in the due diligence. You know what I'm saying? And as soon as it came up, it got leaked out to the pet press. You know, they called in their hatchet people, got leaked out. Zucker's gone. And look at Zucker. He didn't even fight it. Thank you for the 10 years or 12 years of $30 million, $25 million a year. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 but what happens? There's nobody in the room that says no. And I've seen it in all types of organizations. You know, I mean, it is what it is. It's nuts. One final um, sort of facet of this low corporations is how you get around, as you, as you mentioned, hopefully the tide is turning. Hopefully people are getting a little, although frankly, you know, the, the moral uh, preening and hysteria over the Russia thing, maybe, <laughs> you know, makes you wonder if it really is turning around, but hopefully we're getting a little wiser to this. Um, but as far as HR and PR, you've worked for some big companies and some small companies. I mean, even with a big company, can you just outsource that and just think, you know what, I don't want a senior vice president in the room who has no revenue responsibilities and he or likely she is going to be just sort of harping on this, this stuff. And, you know, can you have an HR department that actually is just an old fashioned personnel department? Your job is to administer benefits, make sure people are paid on time, hire people based on merit, not on politics. Don't, you know, see this as a license to say the same with PR. I first I'll go with PR first. Um, I think PR people can be incredibly valuable. I think in crisis management, they're absolutely essential because they just come in and they tell you outside, you know, they're the ones who. In the room, everybody in a crisis has, you know, a dog in the fight. You know what I'm saying? So you need somebody from the outside who's going to provide you with some information. Also, you need somebody who's been through eight or nine of these before. You know, I've had crises just like everybody else. And quite frankly, three or four of the biggest crises I thought we were going to have basically didn't materialize because, you know, something, some other world event happened. So, for example, think how many guys said, quick, get the new when, when Russia invaded Ukraine. Think how many people said, quick, get the news out about the sexual harassment case at this company. <laughs> get it out today. And everybody's busy, busy, busy. And then three months later, somebody somebody in the uh, somebody in a, a New Yorker comes out and goes, did we hear about the sexual harassment cases and these five people who were fired at wall at, you know, on Wall Street? But they're doing it three months later. Nobody cares. Everybody's been taken care of. It's all over. So I think PR people are valuable there. Here's where I think PR people are not valuable. I think PR people inside the company, working inside the company, can be very dangerous because they're just trying to constantly look for an issue that basically gives them something to do and makes them important. In other words, oh, this is a very dangerous thing. This is a very dangerous thing. I encountered this when I worked at CSX briefly. You know what I'm saying? And he just did. It's a big American corporation. You know, it's, you've heard me tell the story. It's the time that Doug Wilder came out to, uh, out to Hong Kong. 
my my mother, my grandmother was a fairly fairly political person. Right, so, right. Just for background, Wilder was governor of Virginia, governor of Virginia. black governor of Virginia. So he comes down. Right? My grandmother talks to H.R. Bible, the head then of Philip Morris. You know what I'm saying? So my grandson's out there and that's it. So I, I my mom called me and said, you know, Doug Wilder's coming out. She said, maybe you'll see him. Grandmom, mama wants you to see him if he's there. And I said, OK. So I walked into the office and I, I told a guy, I said, you know, my family, uh, my grandmother knows Doug Wilder. If he's coming out, I, is, is it OK if I say hello? And the, the PR guy from Liberty Corner, New Jersey, he was there. Absolutely not. We, we don't want him soliciting. You know, we don't want him talking to anybody, other people, anything like that. So anyway, my boss, Frank Caradonna, God rest his soul, was like, mm. Frank's an old Italian guy. He's like, that doesn't seem right. But anyway, and Mr. Murphy went with the PR guy and I didn't push it. And so I went back and Mr. Murphy, I remember, came running down, walking down the hall. And he said, Mark, how, how well does your family? I said, well, Mr. Murphy, my grandmother, you know, she's not an insignificant person in Democratic politics in Virginia. You know, she's a donor and she does her thing. And but she's but I said, no big deal, sir. Don't worry about it. It's, it's no big deal. I'll just I, I just want to say anything. Wilder lands. CSX is hosting because they're the Virginia company. They got a phone call. These are days before cell phones. They get a phone call that says, hey, Doug Wilder, not a because my boss calls comes walking down with that big Chester cat grin that he used to have. He said, Mark, are you free this evening? They want you on the boat tonight, the, the junk trip tonight, because Doug Wilder has asked to say hello to you. <laughs> so I went down there. And Murphy, Murphy, when I walk in there, he goes, I thought you said you did just, I said, well, I said, we know him, sir. And he goes, I said, he goes, no, nah, it's not your problem, Mark. And the PR guy just sat in the corner all night long, drinking in Carlsberg's just glaring at me, you know what I'm saying? And I tried to be nice to him, but he wasn't having any of it. And I was like, you know, and that, that, you know, that's the night when, 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 you know, but it was like, okay, you know, and, and I, I interacted with Doug Wilder for maybe 10 minutes, you know what I'm saying? But you know, the point being is, is that you saw this guy trying to control everything, really had his messaging down, you know what I'm saying? And, and not intellectually curious. My point being is that's not because of me, but I've just seen so many times in my work in media companies where quite frankly, the CEO or somebody calls you up and says, hey, this is what happened. This is what's going on. And the reporters appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? That's it. A good PR person is, is fantastic. Um, there's a guy named Bancroft. He used to be the head of the uh, uh, like American Nuclear or something like that. He owns Behringer Wines. Mr. Bancroft is very old now, but many years ago, he made a statement. He was talking in Hong Kong and we were having lunch with him. And he said, I told my PR guy I wanted to see my name in the uh, I wanted to see my name in the paper twice a year. Half year reports and annual reports. Other than that, I never <laughs> want to meet a reporter. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is like, what do you get out of it? You know, you get, you know what? I, I don't, I, I mean, my point is, I really don't know what you get out of it other than ego gratification. You know what I'm saying? I mean, how many guys go on CNBC and really impart something knowingly? You know what I'm saying? How many, how many good people go, whoa, I just watched CNBC and this guy's really switched on. You know what I'm saying? Nobody says that. So that's the first problem. The second problem is HR. And with HR, your problem again is, is that I think the real problem with HR is it's managers outsourcing their jobs. In other words, personnel yes. is destiny. Mm -hmm. um, go to the big investment banks, go to all the, those guys rarely, the top banks, the top law firms, they rarely have the HR people out hunting people. Junior people, yes. But, eight, but, but, but other than that, Google, do you think if Google finds out about some fantastic engineer 
over at Facebook. They send the HR team after him. No, no, no. They go take him to lunch. The other guys, they talk to him. My point really is, is that I think HR is great for parking spots, pay slips, <laughs> some personnel issues from time to time. But if they're inside the room, if they're inside the company, that's it. I'll get in trouble for this. But I mean, I, I've been watching both CNN's going to happen to them with all these problems they're having it because of Zucker. They're going to have to empower the HR department even more. They'll never get them out of the room until somebody comes in and just throws them out of the room. You got, they don't, they don't add, they just don't add. And, and you yeah. know, and, 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 and then, and also the HR departments is where you get all the crazy ideas, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't just run the companies, you know, HR, HR departments. If you, I hate to say it, if you go to Asia, the HR departments are not nearly as powerful as they are over here. You know right. what I'm saying? Well, and a lot of them have come in because of, It's more clerical, yeah. right? more clerical, but also, also the thing is too, is like, you know, trying to help you do things. And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you got to go recruit on campus and you don't want your managers going to stand behind the table at the university. So you send the HR people, but you know, they, the recruiters and things like that. But, you know, I, I just had a, a nephew come up and uh, to, to New York and he's going around to the investment banks and to two investment banks that he's talking to, the alumni of his school have been designated by management to, to interview and put forth everybody, huh. you know, so, you know, the HR person he met with to say hello, but the decision making is, is made by those companies. So if you have an HR department that can really coordinate that. I think that's it. But I do not like HR departments. Like I, I can tell you right now, there is a major publication. HR department sits in editorial meetings. What the hell is that? <laughs> right. You know, the guy, the guy who told me that I don't want to, everybody would know it was who I knew. HR guy gets to the HR sits in editorial planning meetings. Are you kidding me? That's that's nuts. Considering in some organizations, the owner of the company can't even do that. I mean, the publisher can't even do that, right? Depending on the company, the idea that you're going to have Jimmy, to, yeah. Jimmy. I swear to God, I swear to God. One time, they asked Jimmy if he could leave the meeting <laughs> privately. The guy wow. texted him, Jimmy, you need to leave. And he said, why? He said, because people know how you feel about this issue. So no one's going to say anything. It, it was it was an issue about, to be perfectly honest with you, it was an issue about politics. And we were going to hit the Democrats pretty hard. And they were worried that people would hold back because Jimmy was friends with some of these people. And Jimmy left the meeting. And probably two days later, we had the Democratic Party calling us. What did you just do? What did you just do? You know, you're traitors and all this stuff. So. You know, this is, and this is the Democratic Party of Hong Kong, right? Yeah, we hit them for yeah. some bullshit yeah. thing. Okay. You know, yeah. I mean, they, they look all politicians, you know, it, it's it's like I, I mean, I even feel sorry for the New York Times. Like, you know, the New York Times writes one editorial by Tom Cotton and it's, you know, the end of the damn world. <laughs> yes, you know? that did literally and, cause, and, well, not literally, but almost uh, caused a meltdown figuratively. Yeah. So so to me, to me, to me, it's it's really I, I have to say. Um, you know, as I look, I, th I think, quite frankly, Kristen, we could probably open up a consulting business, um, be a little bit more tactful than we are today. And mm -hmm. probably a lot of board members would like to see us show up because it's exhausting for these poor people. It you is, know, especially I mean, yeah, if they want to if, focus if on business. I, I have I have he's not a friend. I, I know him. He's always been very kind to me, a little bit older than I am. You know, he's in his early 70s. He sits on not as many boards as he used to, but he just told me, he said, my God, he said, 20 years ago, 
we talked about marketing and this and that. And he said, now we're talking about everything from climate change to, you know, everything else. And he said, everybody in the room has nothing to do with business, you know? And I, I, I think that's the problem. I think that's a real, it's a, it's a real issue for companies. It's the reason why someone like, well, Tesla's a little bit different, but Tesla's got Elon Musk. Do you hear Elon Musk got a rule for his company? If the meeting doesn't benefit you, you can leave. <laughs> I love that. First of all, I love it and I hate it because we all know that if I was holding a meeting, it would be over in 10 minutes because after my BS and everybody would leave. <laughs> you know, I'd have the shortest meetings ever if people could just walk out on me. Okay, if it doesn't benefit you, you can leave. That's his rule there. Now, you're responsible if something happens in the meeting you should have been aware of. Okay, so you, you can't be flippant. But the point is it lets people move forward with things. And, I, and I, I think that's so refreshing. You know who I'll give a compliment on this? And I know it's it'll, it'll shock you. Pelosi. Oh, really? Yeah, I've heard from a couple of people that Pelosi runs some pretty damn efficient and mean. I don't say mean is not the word, but some pretty damn efficient caucus meetings. You know what I'm saying? If you got uh, something to say, say it, get it out. Yeah, Let's yeah. move on. I don't have time for this stuff. You know what I'm saying? That's right. No, to, to, to herd the cats of the Democratic caucus, you'd have to be, you know, pretty tough old Italian woman. Which she yeah, is. I mean, that, but the point is, is like, that's why sometimes I don't think anybody believes it. Do you think she really believes half the stuff that she spouts that they tell her? Or she's just, you know, I don't no, think she does. Because it doesn't even sort of, uh, no, there's just there's talking nothing points. In her background. There's yeah. nothing in an in a, in a, in a old Italian's background, you know what I'm saying? Baltimore woman. Very good on human rights. Uh, husband's making a lot of money, likes money. You know, if I could, sorry to cut in with the digression. You know, they're talking about not letting um, congressmen invest in individual equities. If there was a Nancy Pelosi ETF that I could invest in, especially if I go back 10 years, if you go back 10 years and had the Pelosi ETF, which has tracked your portfolio, you would beat the market resoundingly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Look, I, 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 I have mixed feelings about that. You know what I'm saying? I, I like them in the market because I think they, then they have some stake in making it go up. Yes. <laughs> time. But, but the thing is, is that you do see it. I mean, it's, it, it is, but it is, I, I think the thing is, I mean, my real thought for today is like, I think businesses have to be focused on businesses. And I think when we look at like Disney and Google and Netflix and all these big names, if I was the CEO of those companies, which I never will be, but if I was there in a senior management role, I would look around and I'd say, hey, what are we doing here to make money? Like, let me give you an example. If I was at the Wall Street Journal or CNN or someplace like that, I would look over into my diversity department, my HR department, my public relations department, and everybody I see there, I see a reporter. <laughs> in other words, like, what are you doing? Are you putting something into the paper? Are you putting something we can put advertising against? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. yes. See, so you, you'd, you'd be, sh I mean, one of the things that blew my mind about Gannett, you know, Gannett's got a market cap of about $700 million. They have a diversity in HR department of close to 50 people. <laughs> wow. Really? And they're, they're not even making money that, they mean, they barely make money. What could you do? 50 people, you could have two top ed investigative editorial team teams there. Seriously, 25 yeah. guys, you could, you could be doing investigations and blowing things out the door on that. 
but they don't. And I mean, all right, so you, you have, say you get rid of 25 and you have one investigative team or two smaller investigative teams. But I mean, it's just, it's, it's the problem is, is that I think companies are a little bit fat. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe the world is, the demographics in the world is gonna, is gonna come in there. I see startups that come up now, you know what I'm saying? And the best startups that I see coming up are guys that leave these big companies and women that leave these big companies. Like I know a woman who left a very, um, what was it, what was it, what was it? Oh, oh, Warner Brothers. She left Warner Brothers, you know what I'm saying, in Asia. She left there and she's now doing a small startup, you know what I'm saying? She tells me, she, if anybody walked into her office and started talking about all this crazy stuff, she'd fire them. And, and she's in the creative world. She said, I don't care. She said, I just want to, to do that. I mean, I remember hearing a story from, uh, what's the Disney, uh, the Disney uh, Pixar? You know, in Pixar, they were doing, I think it was the film, um, um, uh, what was the, 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 uh, the, uh, the Incredibles, you know, remember the family film, uh -huh. you know what I'm saying? Sure. Mm -hmm. you know, do you know during that, they, uh, I'm told this is a true story. I have no reason to doubt that it's not. They had a massive debate because some people were upset that it was a nuclear family. <laughs> God. That's very believable, actually, in this day and I age. I think it's completely uh, believable, you mm -hmm. know, considering what you're seeing now. And, you know, the other thing, too, is I'll get in hot water with this one, too. I think it's going to be interesting at the end of this year. They always release a study about like different ethnicities and commercials and things like that. I think we're going to see what's going to happen there is I think we're going to see, which is, I guess people want to do it. They can do it. But I think we're going to see African-American representation in commercials probably up in the 30, 35 percent. And I think minorities is going to be well above 50. If you look at every single commercial, you know, and, and, and I, you, we all know what's happening because I've experienced it. Um, what happens is, say, you're Ford Motor Company and. When you're doing it, you know, you're you're saying, okay, I gotta have this, I gotta have this, I gotta have that. So if you're some other company like Unilever or somebody like that, you just say the heck with it. I'm not gonna get it yelled at by anybody. I'm gonna have an African American family, you know, with Tide or something like that. You know, and I am I'm gonna have I saw I saw a window company the other day, high end window company, you know what I'm saying? And it was it was it was uh, African Americans, they were selling high end windows to somebody or high end, some type of high end parts. And I'm going like, I can guarantee you that that company, if you did the demographic study on that, that would not be their market. You know what I'm saying? Right. But that that's what right. it is. Well, and it just represents marketing departments thinking that America is a bunch of knuckle dragging races. And so they're going to play fast and loose with uh, advertising budgets. And there is a reason certain people are chosen for ads. Human nature is not something that can be repealed or changed by an ad I mean, campaign. And I, I, uh, I, yeah, I, I myself, you know, when I when I look at ads for for different things, first of all, I was in Asia, you know, so basically, you know, Taiwan and Hong Kong and are not very undiverse places. But for example, in the Philippines, we had some business interest in the Philippines. You really have to match it up because there's different, you know, ethnic, not ethnicities, but different, you know, people from different regions there. So you can't have everybody, you know, looking like uh, these wealthy, high end um, Filipino Chinese or something like that. In, 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 in Southeast Asia, it's very interesting. They try to get like the, the cosmetics people try to get models that could fit in anywhere. In other words, they could be at a, in Singapore, they could be in Malaysia, they could be in, so you don't have to cut a new commercial every single day, you know? 
And it's just, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very, it's a very uh, uh, unique thing. I think you do have to have diversity in your commercials, you know what I'm saying? But I, I just think what happens is, is that essentially people, they don't want to get the phone call. They're looking at things. What really works, you know what I'm saying? I mean, with how they're going to position their position their cars or their trucks or something like that. But I, I think the thing is, is that you make that as a marketing decision, not as a diversity decision, you know, so you don't want to get a phone right. call from somebody. And I think, I think that's, I think that's, that's the way it goes. Um, the best line I ever heard, I had, I had a wonderful marketing manager, Colin, um, passed away, unfortunately, um, at our hotels and Colin was gay. And I remember one time we had a, a young woman and she was trying to do the whole LGBT thing. And Colin was the guy opposing everything. And I said, Colin, you know, what's going on? And he goes, Mark, gay men shop at Home Depot as well. We are an incredibly gay friendly group. I mean, in other words, like, you know, we, 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 we were one of the first to do gay weddings up there. A lot of some of the old wineries wouldn't, they would shy away from them. You know what I'm saying? We are incredibly open to that, very diverse. Um, in that sense, and, and you know, we want everybody's money. I'll just put it that way. You know, everybody's money is good with us. And you know, we always had these things. We 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 catered to them. You know, we had worked catered to different groups. Um, we're right now. We're trying to expand with the Asian American community in, in in Canada, and we're trying to expand with the Asian American community in North America. You know, trying to get them is. Um, I've got a friend who's actually doing marketing of 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 like a, a, a like timeshares, not timeshares, but like, you know, the Vibro things, the Airbnbs uh -huh. up to the cabins. Right. And his whole market is Asian Americans because he's trying, I'm sorry, and Asian Canadians, trying to get him into that, uh, you know, that upper Northwest cabin experience, which sounds to me like a place to go get murdered. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> come and meet Jason. I'm like, why would you come out, come out in the woods and just sit for seven nights you know, and get eaten alive <laughs> by mosquitoes? Oh, boy. But the thing is, is like, but they're expanding that because there's a market need there. But what Colin taught me, that was the greatest line ever. Gay men shop at Home Depot as well. And his point was, what we have to do is let everybody know that we're going to be there. So we would take advertisements out in gay media. And that's the signal. Rather than having a giant rainbow flag over the business, you know what I'm saying? For people right. to walk in. And I, I and, and, and you and I think the thing is, is, is people want to be treated with dignity or something like that. It's kind of like I was talking to somebody the other day, International Women's Month, you know her, of course. And she's like, why did I walk into a, why did I walk into a restaurant and there was a discount for International Women's Month? She's like, what was that about? <laughs> she goes, what do they do, you know? And she's just, you know, she, she goes, she's pretty funny. She goes, all it meant is I got the bill. Because <laughs> you know, I was the one who had to pay. <laughs> You know, but the like thing is, is, I just I just think that people I think in a lot of ways, for the most people, it's just, hey, if it makes you happy, I'm fine with it. You know what I'm saying? But it, yeah. it, you, you see it everywhere that works against companies. We could go into fat shaming if you want to know about that, because I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> as you can see. But no, right. I mean, look, if right. you have skinny employees and healthy employees, it saves you money on insurance, you know, and but. How do you handle that, you know, in an environment where the moment you walk up to somebody and say, hey, Mark, you know, you weigh 290, you're fat, you're 50, you're in your 50s, you know, maybe it should maybe it'd be better if you lose some weight and exercise, which is a perfectly reasonable thing for the board to say to me. OK, but I take it one way. Somebody else takes it another way. 
you know, what happens. All right. All right. Well, on that note, that's all the time we have for this episode of Simon and White. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on YouTube or subscribe to us on whichever podcast catalog you use. And we'll be back again with another episode. <laughs>